Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Owl Post Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's October 11th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick kind of joins me from the Alabama border. More about that in a second because I don't want to bury the lead. The Steelers defeat the Broncos 27-19 in fine fashion and with last-minute heroics. So how did you feel about that? Did you enjoy the game? Was this uh, a matter of sort of maybe some sour grapes that it was just the Broncos? Or were you genuinely excited to see a a game where the Steelers seemed to improve in all facets? Uh, There were some really exciting plays and uh, perhaps improvement. The question is whether that is sustainable. Many of you know that Nick is a professional musician, thwarting all of my attempts to push him into accounting. His band's name is Astro Inn, a reference to an iconic Houston hotel. They were up here in D.C. and New York City this week for a tour promoting their new album. I encourage you to check out Astro Inn Music on Instagram and support the guys. Anyway, they are now on a 700-hour drive back to Houston, and they're stopping at a place that Najee Harris may wish he was back in. It was where his uniform never got dirty, even as he was setting some records in the SEC. We couldn't get a good satellite feed, so I am channeling Nick's post from the road to spare you some really bad audio quality. But if you're curious, you can listen to a clip at the end of the show and then thank me for saving you. There are four facets to this game that we want to highlight. One, it's another Mike Tomlin special. He pulled victory out while staring down a 1-4 record and playing at home against a very average team. The team was clearly up for this game. Second, there were improvements on both sides of the ball, but as I said at the beginning, will they persist? Was this a result of playing against a, an inferior team, and will they hold up against better quality teams? Well, it was really special. This is the first 100-yard game for Najee. As a matter of fact, he got 122 yards on the ground and 20 yards receiving. Listen, what's really weird, you know, we were talking all year, or many people were talking about the Steelers need to balance their run game and their pass game last year. Well, that just wasn't possible. But for the first time since December 11, 2016, the Steelers ran the ball more than they passed it. The 12, uh, the December 16 game was against the Bills with a similar score, 27, the Steelers won that 27 to 20. Le'Veon Bell had 38 carries. He got 236 yards and three touchdowns, while Ben went 17 for 31 with 220 yards. 
Look, the Broncos are seventh in run defense, but of course they beat the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets, who collectively have only two wins. So, great to see Najee's breakout. Let's hope he can do it against some better teams. And this is the same game as always for Ben, but he did look better. We'll go into that in a little bit more detail. A side note, and a very serious side note, is it looks like Juju may be out for the season with that shoulder injury. If you saw that play, he dipped down low, but it, I don't know if that shoulder got displaced, whether he has a broken arm, and it might even mean that he is done in Pittsburgh. I mean, he was already looking for a job potentially when he signed with us, fortunately, and you wonder how much he left on the table when he could have been with the Chiefs, had maybe a, a role where he was going more than five yards downfield, so we're, we're, we're pulling for him. I don't know if this is actually silver lining, but we are going to get to see the future receivers focused on a lot more. Deontay, Claypool, Najee, Fryermuth. And for anyone who was sponsoring the idea of James Washington as trade bait earlier this year, you can see what a luxury it is to have him waiting on the sideline. All of this was possible because A, the O-line stepped forward. B, Matt Canada took a step forward, mainly probably because he could. Chase Claypool stepped up, and Deontay Johnson continued his phenomenal start of the season. And the defense stepped up. You could see they came out for this game visibly on fire. They may have been at the end of the game, but ultimately, they held. Let's dive a little deeper into some of these themes, and let's start with Ben. Ben, because, you know, as you've heard from Nick Adnazim, he's the greatest athlete ever, blah, blah, blah. The good news this is like deja vu. It's the second game in a row where we scored on the first drive after something like a 20-game drought, and it came on a beautiful 50-yard touchdown bomb to Deontay. Nick tweeted last week that if Deontay manages to pull off at least one of those hyper-distance touchdowns per game, he'll be happy with whatever else follows, uh, knowing that Deontay still has to go through a season where we're not uh, worried that he's going to drop a ball. The other good is the beautiful touchdown to to Claypool on that post route. You know, he hasn't always made those grabs. As a matter of fact, in this game, it was disappointing. He had that one sideline opportunity to go up and make a terrific combat catch. And I'm not saying he should have had it, but he's going to have to make that if he's going to fulfill his destiny as, you know, as a premier wide receiver. But he did make a, a great touchdown reception in the end zone. I think the announcer called it a combat catch. I think he just was able to watch that ball through the branches of the two defensive backs who were covering him, and he hung on for it. So we got a glimpse of his potential stardom. On the bad side, Ben had a Jameis Winston-esque fumble. You can cue the Benny Hill music as Benny, as Big Ben tried to pirouette out of trouble and got slammed from behind, ball stripped, and lost the ball. The other thing is he had a number of mind-boggling dropped interceptions. Maybe... Maybe the defenders are so surprised that the ball is so accurately thrown to them, they just drop it. Regardless, Ben has to quit putting the ball in jeopardy. The other thing is that he's predetermining throws to Najee and being in inaccurate on his deliveries. I will say, my perception is that Ben is getting a little bit more accurate. And historically, his first three games show a lot of rust as he tries to calibrate his throws, especially downfield. But you really could see how, how much rust he had on him in these first three games where he was blowing these passes that were right in front of the line of scrimmage, sometimes even behind the line of scrimmage. scrimmage. But he did continue to have some of those errant throws. And last, 
Last but not least, the O-line absolutely forces this at times, but Ben's happy feet usually persist, even in a clean pocket. Let's, let's acknowledge the O-line did well, but it's, it's far from perfect, and Ben is still in jeopardy at times, but he doesn't help this case if he's got PTSD and he feels that he needs to rush faster than is warranted by the offensive line protection. Now let's talk about the offensive line. The O-line took a big step forward. They were opening big holes all day. Finally, we get to see Najee's true potential, which is a star. He does most of the work, but the holes were being open. He had runs of 13, 18, and 20 yards. He had only two runs of negative yardage and two for no gain. And, of course, he was doing a lot of the work to help himself, but today you could see the offensive line working in a complementary fashion with Najee. There was generally a good push for up front, which we haven't seen consistently through the first four games. Kevin Dodson was good for a second consecutive week, which is huge. All the linemen are playing better. Kendrick Green is becoming more stout. He's still susceptible to being enveloped because of this alligator arms, these alligator arms of his and being pushed backwards, but not as much yesterday. And everybody's been coming down on Chuksakor for, and deservedly so, for his poor play so far this season. But let's look at the fact that on Sunday, he put Vaughn Miller into limbo, limiting him to two assisted tackles. Now, Vaughn Miller is not the all-pro he used to be, but just in 2018, he had 14 and a half sacks. There is still not consistent pass protection, as we mentioned when we were talking about Ben, but it has improved. The question in my mind is, will the quintuplets, Okor, Four, Big Dan Moore, Dotson, Green, and Turner remain intact, or will Zach Banner be playing within the next two weeks? Let's turn our attention now to Matt Canada. That early game motion extravaganza was something to behold. This is what we've been told about for over a year, and he finally executed and stuck with it. He made full formation switches. He had the defense working. That's what motion does. It keeps the D thinking and off balance. Frankly, it was hard to tell if Juju was going to get the ball or just motioning on a big sweep action. That's good because last year, everybody in the house knew when Claypool was going to get the ball on a jet sweep. So the other thing is that Canada was less situationally predictable. Usually on third down in any distance, it almost always is a shallow cross or a drag. And I'm sure the D was waiting for that, licking their chops, but you rarely saw those on third down. Yeah, there were a couple, several third down senseless long bombs, but that's historically a choice that Ben makes at the line. And the other thing is he stuck with the run game. But this is a big asterisk. We were only able to stay with the run game because we, the players enabled him to stick with the run. Usually we get behind behind the sticks and we've got to go to the air. There's no sense running for a half a yard every play and then punting on fourth and eighth. Mark Schlereth, former All-Pro Bronco Demon and a phenomenal announcer, praised Canada during the game for continuing to run, even on second and long. He said that this marked a positive change in philosophy for Canada. I think this is an oversimplification of the situation. Pittsburgh was able to run on second and long because they were running so effectively. That being said, Schlereth did make a good point about how there were different types of run plays to utilize in those long-distance situations when defenses are more spread out, like work on your draw game, etc., etc. And last but not least is the defense. How about that defense? They came out on fire, ready to attack. Let's look at this. The first series, three and out, gaining 11, letting Broncos have 11 yards. 
the next one, they had to come on the field after Ben had that fumble, and the Broncos picked it up on the Pittsburgh 29, and all they got out of it was a field goal. And we followed that up with another three and out. Broncos only scored two field goals in that first half. And just to put a fine point on that, they were only one for three within the red zone. Minka had another day at the office, leading the team with 10 tackles, one of those coming behind the line of, line of scrimmage. Pure, pure poetry, but the real excitement comes from the rest of the secondary. Terrell Edmonds has become a rock-solid safety right before our very eyes and maybe a little bit unnoticed. Remember, the Steelers didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I'll be curious to see whether he even stays with the team as he's in his ascendance. James Pierre is going to get exposed in every game, like when Cortland Sutton burned him for that touchdown on a 39-yard pass in the fourth quarter. Big surprise. He's a second-year corner. Corners are meant to be burned. What The play that I loved is with eight minutes left in the half, Javante Williams galloped on that 49-yard run with Pierre making that diving save to stop him at the two-yard line. And what was particularly gratifying was when Williams spiked the ball, uh, drawing, a, uh, drawing a delay of game penalty, moving the ball from the two-yard line to the seven-yard line. And then two plays later, Devin Bush sacks them for 12 yards. That whole 49-yard run culminated with a field goal. And of course, Pierre had that interception with the Broncos on the Pittsburgh three with fourth and three near the end of the game. The other guy we need to look out for is Arthur Millette. He quietly had a solid game, two tackles and a pass defended, but he seemed to be always around, always around receiver, always in good coverage. I'll be curious to see how he develops through the rest of the year. Let's do our perennial or at least weekly promotion for Cam Hayward for the Hall of Fame. Two batted balls again, in addition to everything else he does. You know he's got five of those for the year. So we're going to continue our campaign, even though he might not be in the on a team that will highlight his talents enough to move him into the Hall of Fame. And TJ Watt looked in much better shape than last week in a return from that groin injury, which has us a little a little frightened that you know that's just something you can aggravate so easily. He ha- he was in he was in fourth gear the entire game. That game, in my opinion, was a pleasure to watch. I'm hopeful that this is a sign of things to come. Like I said, has Ben shaken off some of the rust? Is the secondary sort of starting to gel? Is the offensive line starting to gel, which is the most important? And Canada's getting to unveil the weapons he planned to use if he's not under siege the entire game. Time will tell because next week, because the Seattle Seahawks are in town for a Sunday night game, which means we're going to be up until midnight, which means the Steelers have to win to justify having to drag to work on Monday. I have to do a quick shout-out to one of the podcast's main fans, somebody who showed up for the Astro in concert, Shantae. Thanks for coming out, and thanks for listening to us. And for all of our other fans, thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. section is on Matt Canada. Okay, so the big improvement he made to me was, number one is early game motion extravaganza. The Steelers were motioning a guy on every play. They were doing full formation switches. They were making the defense work. That's what motion does. Like, defenses are based off of Basically, how many people are on one side of the line, one side of the center versus the other side of the center? Which side is the strong side or weak side? 
and that changes responsibilities. So if you just line up in the same thing the whole game, they never have to think. They never have to adjust on the fly. Maybe you can catch them in an adjustment, keep them thinking instead of letting them tee off. That's what emotion is so helpful. And I feel like the Steelers have gone away from that motion a lot in other games, but he kept with it. So that was, that was big. Um, one example of the effective motion is I'm at the point right now where it's hard to tell if Juju is going to get the ball on uh, jet sweep. Oh, by the way, we got to talk about Juju's injury. It sucks, but it's hard to tell if Juju's going to get the ball on jet sweep or if he's just a decoy. Rather than last year, you generally could tell when he or Claypool was going to get the ball. So that's a good sign that the motion is actually functional and it's working and it's being built off of other plays instead of just randomly thrown in there. Number two, he was less situationally predictable, Matt Canada. Usually on third down in any distance, you're almost always going to see a shallow cross or a little short drag route from the Steelers receivers. We saw a couple of those, but not anywhere remotely close to the amount that we normally see. So I'm sure the other defense is waiting for that, and you see all these guys going downfield. That's going to make them think. We rarely saw those. And then... Yes, there were also some of the third down sort of senseless long bombs, which seemed like weird, weird calls, but honestly, that's historically been a Ben choice, and historically, it, it's worked out very well for them in the past. He just might have to readjust that approach. Okay, the third big point is Matt Canada stuck with the run game, but big asterisk on this one. He only stuck with the run game, and it was only a good idea because the players enabled him to stick with the run. In the past games, I agree with his decision to throw because there's no sense in running for half a yard on every play and then punting on, third, on fourth and eight. March Slareth was announcing the game, former offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. He's an awesome analyst and a phenomenal announcer. He praised Matt Canada during the game for continuing to run even on second and long situations. He said this marked a positive change in philosophy for Canada. I think that this is oversimplifying the situation. Pittsburgh was able to run on second and long because they were running so successfully. That being said, Schlereth did make a lot of great points about how there are different type of run plays to utilize in those long distance situations when the defenses are more spread out, like work on your draw game, et cetera, et cetera. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.